It's episode 18 of the Keto for Women show. You're listening to the Keto for Women show, and I'm your host and nutritionist, Sean Miner. This show is designed to empower women to find their own expression of the keto diet to maximize their health and happiness. Now let's get started with today's episode. Hey friends, welcome back to the Keto for Women show. I'm Sean. Thank you so much for joining me as always. Today we have another keto Q&A session, getting through all of your questions that you've sent me such great questions. Really, I very much appreciate all of the good questions I'm getting. And I think that because one person has the question, usually that means about a thousand other people do. So it's really great that we're getting such good questions and that it's really helping a lot of our other listeners get the answers too, because we're all trying to figure this out and uh, helping each other is the best way to do it, I think. So when this podcast airs, I will be just finishing up my trip to Belize and we'll be back next week to tell you how it went and let you know if I was able to be keto or not, which I have a feeling I will be, but you never know. I may just eat all the bread. Just kidding. I would never do that. My stomach would hurt for days. So be on the lookout for that update next week. This week, before we go into our questions, just a few things to catch you up on. I've decided that at the beginning of at least these keto Q&A sessions that I do, I'm going to start the episode by giving you guys what I ate this week kind of situation. Not every single thing, obviously, but give you maybe a cooking tip or an idea of what food I made for myself this week that was keto friendly because I've just been getting a lot of requests to provide recipes and meal ideas and all this stuff here, which is great, but it's hard to um, it's hard to share a recipe on a podcast. It's either something that is better written or videotaped or something like that. And just podcasting is a little hard to be like, oh, yeah, use a quarter cup of this. So I won't do that. And secondly, the reason why is because I don't really create a whole lot of recipes. It is like pulling teeth to get me to create a recipe, which I do, and I'm going to be doing more often. But I just honestly, I'm not a big fan because I am not the kind of person that follows recipes. I have tons of cookbooks from friends and things like that that have been given to me over the years and I don't use any of them and they're all amazing cookbooks but I just don't it's not my style it's not my personality to follow recipes I kind of just do my own thing and really when I did that and just started doing my own thing in the kitchen that's when I finally understood how to cook (laughs) that's when I finally had to teach myself what goes good together, how long to cook things, what to pair and not pair. So it has given me a little bit more education just by me having to throw myself in and do it. And when I'm doing this, I do not ever measure things or even think about writing them down or anything like that. So therefore, no recipes are ever created, even though they'd probably all be awesome. Because if I do say so myself, I'm a pretty good cook. And I've just recently gotten that way and gotten a little better, especially with keto when you can use all the fat. So instead, I'm just going to give you an idea, give you a sneak peek of what I ate at some point this week that I think you guys might like to do, and it will give you some more ideas. 
If you follow me on social media, then you probably will have already seen a picture of what I will be sharing because I do always post what I'm eating over on my social medias. So again, over on Instagram at Sean Minor Health and Facebook, same thing, Sean Minor Health. So this week I made, um, I'm finally back to eating pork and beef, which if you didn't know, I was eliminating because I found out they were food sensitivities I had and was trying to kind of give my immune system a rest, my inflammation, get that coming down a little bit and just see if I felt any better without these foods. To be honest, I didn't really feel all that different without them. Uh, and I feel totally fine bringing them back in. So, uh, although I do now know that I was had some other things going on with the moldy gym and stuff like that. So um, not surprising that I wouldn't really notice a change just by taking out some foods. But anyway, I spent three months without beef or pork, which was very hard because I love both of those. It wasn't hard technically because obviously I just ate a lot of chicken and turkey and um, salmon. And so it wasn't like I had no idea what to eat. It was just hard mentally because I wanted my favorite foods back. So just able to start inter- start reintroducing those. And I did so this week with beef. I made a nice beef chuck roast that I got from the farm down the street. I have a share of a cow and just plopped that into the slow cooker, which I actually use an instant pot. So it's not slow. And I highly, highly recommend an instant pot to anyone that just needs quick food, which I think is almost all of us at this point and our busy schedules. Like if you need food quick and you don't want to spend all this time doing it, but you know that dinner is going to be in an hour and you don't want to do anything, get an instant pot, throw some meat in there, throw some veggies in there and you are good. It's so easy and comes out just like it was cooking all day in the slow cooker. It's the same exact thing that probably even more tender, I would say, to be honest, and just like a quarter of the time, if that, maybe even less. Uh, so I use my Instant Pot and I put in that p- big piece of meat, I think is probably about two and a half pounds, and some other veggies, which I had just basically used what I had left over from my farm pickup as well, which included um, some peppers, tomatoes, fresh tomatoes, onions, and leeks. I put all of those in the bottom of the pot, then put that meat on top of it, seasoned it with a bunch of spices. So I always go for like a Mexican type flavor. So I'll do like cumin, chili powder, paprika, garlic, salt, lots of salt. Be very liberal with the seasonings, very liberal with the salt. Close it up. And if you're slow cooking it, just leave it all day. If you're instant potting it or other pressure cooking it, then go about 90 minutes, maybe a little bit more and you're good. And then you open it up and it's juicy and tender and all the veggies kind of have made this sauce. It actually turned into more of like a sauce than anything, especially with those fresh tomatoes. So it was almost like this kind of tomatoey, peppery, spicy shredded beef, which was awesome. And then at the same time, while I was letting that cook about those 90 minutes, when it was getting close to being done, then I roasted some delicata squash. If you have not had delicata squash, you are missing out. It is so good. It's 
definitely my favorite squash. And I think a lot of people, especially in keto, don't really eat squash at all. You know, butternut, I can understand it is a little bit higher in carbohydrates. So some people may not do well with that or not want to include that. But spaghetti squash, delicata squash, those are actually more carb-free than you would even think. They're very keto-friendly, I find, especially, you know, you don't need to eat the entire squash, but I actually cut them in half long ways. And so they became boats because in the center they are hollow. So you scoop out the seeds and then I put a pat of butter in each boat and put them in the oven at 400 degrees for about probably 40 minutes salt, of course, don't forget the salt before you put them in the oven. Yeah, 40 minutes and then they came out brown, soft. You just want to make sure, use a fork to puncture that squash flesh just to see if it's tender. If your if your fork goes right in, kind of like a potato, if your fork goes right in, then they're done and they'll be a slightly brown too. So then I had both of these things available. So I put the shredded beef in that delicata squash boat and ate them together as the combo. It was so good. You can also just take delicata squash and slice it so they are rings or even cut them half in half long ways and then slice it so they're kind of like a moon shape and roast them that way with salt and butter. And it is so good that way as well. Oh, and a big thing that I did, obviously, that would make this more keto friendly and more friendly for me too because it was delicious. I added a pat of butter in between the squash. I put more butter on that and then put the meat on top of it. So it kind of added to that juice, to that sauce I was talking about. And it was phenomenal. It was great. And if you are someone that does dairy, you could even put some cheese on top of that and, and even melt it for a little bit in the oven. On the side, I also had a side salad with my homemade ranch, which was great. So there you go. That's my little cooking inspiration for you for the week. Like I said, super easy to the point where I don't have anything measured or anything like that. I didn't measure anything. Just one thing in, the next thing in, put some spices on it, call it a day. That's pretty much what I do with 99% of what I cook, but that's why I don't have recipes. There are over 90,000 people missing at any time, and over half a million are reported missing every year. And that's just in the United States. I'm Mike Morford. And I'm Jess Betancourt. And in our podcast, Missing Persons, we discuss cases of people who have gone missing under mysterious circumstances. And we're joined in each episode by guests who are either related to the missing person, investigating their disappearance, or advocating for answers in the case. Missing Persons is available everywhere you listen to podcasts, and there are dozens of episodes to binge on right now. Subscribe today so you don't miss an episode. Okay, now we just need to... Give a quick reminder of the Fat Burning Female Project November group that is coming up here very quickly. Enrollment starts November 1st, and it will probably end November 1st too. Whenever it sells out is when it sells out, and it has been in less than one day in the past. So I'm going to assume that November 1st is the only day that you can enroll in the Fat Burning Female Project, and I can't even guarantee that entire day either. So if you can to hop onto the website and get enrolled before it's too late. Another cool thing is that we enroll on November 1st 
And while we, we start that following Monday, but you're going to get those course materials that Friday, the third. So it's a very quick turnaround time. Once you enroll, we are going full speed ahead. There is no wait time to get started, which is really nice. Don't forget that that's coming up and make sure you're on the email list so you can get notified as soon as that enrollment opens so you can get a spot. Excited for that, and more information will be coming up here when it gets a little closer, but it's only like two weeks away. Okay, let's get on to these questions today. I have some good ones, as always, and like I just mentioned. uh, The first thing we're going to do, and I've been meaning to do this for so many weeks, and I keep forgetting that I want to talk about this, but it's a great topic, it's a great question, and it's something that so many people are not informed about in all communities, not just keto, all communities. We have this kind of lack of information around supplements and which ones to take. And, you know, to be perfectly honest, I was in that category too for a really long time, especially when I was someone who was trying so hard to feel better and to get these issues I was having resolved with my health, but yet hadn't yet had the education to know which supplements would be good and which wouldn't work for me and what brands were good and weren't and what I should be doing and shouldn't. And so I just ended up either taking nothing or taking 25 different supplements because I didn't know I was just going by what the next blogger that I happened to come across was saying. So I'm going to give you a little bit of a breakdown of some of the supplements I really love that I think would be really great for women to take, whether you're keto or not, but there are some that are kind of keto specific that I think are definitely uh, no brainers. And the cool thing that I'm also going to do with this particular topic is I'm going to make everything I'm saying, all of the supplements I recommend and where to get them, the best brands, all that good stuff. I'm going to turn it into a PDF attachment for you which is going to be so cool. So you can all just go to the link in the show notes or you can go to bit.ly slash KFW, that stands for Keto for Women, SUP Guide, S-U-P-P Guide. So that will be in the show notes. You can just click on that or go and type that in bit.ly slash KFW, S-U-P-P Guide. And you can get everything I recommend as far as what you should be taking and what you should not be taking. But we will also just go over them here because it's fun to talk about. And I actually did get a question about this from Steph, Brittany, and Alexandra. So three ladies out there, and I'm sure there's plenty more that didn't ask, but have this question. I'd love to know more about different supplements and vitamins you either suggest women take or would deter women from taking on keto thanks for the questions, ladies. They were all pretty similar to that. And it led me to remember that I wanted to talk about supplements. So it was great. We're going to kind of break this up into different categories because I think it will help you kind of figure out what you do need and what you don't need instead of me just listing things off. So specifically for keto, there are supplement recommendations that yes, I absolutely do think are vitally important for women on keto. The first one is a liver support. You have to support your liver in this process of you eating so much more fat than you're probably used to. And 
especially if you've ever been someone who have been on a lower fat diet or a poor fat diet, eating a lot of vegetable oils and seed oils, anything like that, where you weren't paying attention to the quality of oil, then you definitely need to support that process by supporting the liver and gallbladder. I really like to just give overall support to the liver during this time uh, that can be done with specific nutrients. I think I mentioned this on another show. There are specific herbs that are great at really supporting the liver. These include things like milk thistle, chicory root, dandelion, turmeric, burdock, There's a lot of really great ones out there. And what's even better is that many supplement companies will put them all into one pill. So you can get a little bit of the benefits from each one, which is great. And that's why I really like some of these liver support blends out there. And there's one in particular that I'll link to in this PDF attachment that you can check out and maybe start supporting your liver that way. But we need liver support because that is where, amongst many other things, our liver is like this insanely important organ that we have that does so many things. But one of the main things it does is to create bile. So we produce bile in our liver. Bile is what we use. It's part of the digestive process and is what our bodies use to break down our dietary fats and turn them into fatty acids, which is when we get this really awesome health benefits from our fats when they turn to fatty acids, which we talked about last week. We need that bile to be flowing very freely and openly and cleanly. It is actually pretty common, especially in women with who have had low fat or crappy fat diets, for that bile to get sluggish. Think of it as like, olive oil. Say we want it to be the consistency of olive oil, but it can get kind of stuck and sluggish and can become, let's say, more like molasses or honey where it's very slow moving and then it doesn't do its job. We're not getting that bile to flow freely to break up our fats and get all these health benefits that come with our dietary fat choices. So we really we can use these liver supporting agents to really kind of work to cleanse out that bile. So it will clean it out. It will make it more olive (laughs) oily. Bad example, but we're using it. And it can go nice and freely to breaking up those fatty acids and we will actually feel a lot better. So a lot of women that aren't digesting their fats well will be if you are someone that gets bloated on a ketogenic diet or after meals, has stools that float. So start looking at your poop, see if it floats, or it may even look kind of oily in the water. So if you see oil coming off of your stool, that would be another indicator. You can also get things like headaches. Dry skin is really common too because you're not getting those fatty acids to support your skin health. Um... You can also have different color stools. So if your stools are really dark or green or gray, that would be another sign. So again, all things to just be on the lookout and start observing about yourself. But I personally think if you are someone that's going to be really increasing your fat intake, it would definitely not hurt you. It would only help you to support your liver. Our livers could all use some support most of the time. Let's be honest, we live in a pretty toxic world nowadays. So definitely worth thinking about and adding that to your day. And if you do, you just kind of take 
that with your meal and it helps. Another really good thing that helps that would be good for someone that does not have a gallbladder because the gallbladder is where we store bile so that we have kind of this constant supply ready to go. If you don't have a gallbladder, then you still can make your bile and your liver. You're just not having that storage capability. So you need your bile to flow a little bit more freely, a little bit more quicker, perhaps start producing more, that kind of thing. And you can do that with ox bile. Ox bile is a really great support. I don't usually recommend it for people that uh, have a gallbladder just because a lot of the other liver cleansing agents can do the same work. Ox bile can be pretty um, pretty intense and pretty specific about the dosing that you need individually, whereas these herbal nutrients are extremely safe and very effective for most people, so we don't really need to go that route. With ox bile, without a gallbladder, you can absolutely use that to, again, help that bile flow and you'll feel significant impacts in a good way by doing so. And if you are someone who doesn't have a gallbladder and you're trying keto and you're eating more fat, add in that ox bile um, and see how you do. It's different. Some people will have diarrhea if they don't take it and they're keto with no gallbladder. Some people will have diarrhea if they do take it and they're keto with no gallbladder. That kind of depends on the person. It depends on how your liver is doing on its own. So it may be something where you need to start taking it to get rid of the diarrhea because then it would be helping and then eventually stop taking it because your liver has now learned that process. You're becoming much more efficient. Your keto is helping with that, which is great. And now you're producing enough bile on your own and you don't need that ox bile support anymore, which you would know because like I said, you'd start uh, having diarrhea or even some people notice changes in their digestion one way or the other. And that's when you know this is working and I need it because that's eliminating that or it's not working. I don't need it anymore because it's now causing that. So keep that in mind too. This is, again, all these conversations we're having are you being in touch with your body, you understanding what your body is telling you. If you're taking something and it doesn't feel good, don't take it anymore. Okay, so that should sum it up for our liver support while keto. Highly recommend. The next thing I highly recommend, almost to the point that I wish I could just make it a standard for all ketonians, is electrolytes. And I know if you are someone who remotely follows anyone in the keto community, they are all about electrolytes. And I am also one of those. They help with so many symptoms of keto flu, or even when you're already in ketosis and you just have days where you don't feel 100%, it's because of your electrolyte imbalance in your body. So that's the cool thing is that it's a super easy thing that is fixable quite quickly. The easiest thing to do to take electrolytes is to get a really good combo support of electrolytes. And if you don't know what I'm even talking about, calcium, magnesium, potassium, sodium, phosphate, chloride, those are considered electrolytes, which are basically minerals that have an electric type charge in our bodies. And they do amazing things. We need them for every single function of our body, but most of us notice it in our heart. If we start having heart palpitations or flutters or anything like that, it's actually because these electrolytes, they are responsible for proper 
contraction and relaxation of our muscles. And our heart is a muscle. It contracts and releases every time it beats. And so if you ever notice that you have heart palpitations, most commonly, of course, always check with your doctor because the heart is not something to mess around with and you really want to make sure that you are looking at the right thing. But a lot of times it is just an electrolyte imbalance, especially when you've gone keto, you're releasing a lot of water. When you release water, your electrolytes definitely get out of balance and it starts producing these really crazy symptoms that we've never had before because that's all happening very quickly in the process of keto adaptation. I mean, there are minerals, there are things that we need anyways. It's really just a great idea to get on an electrolyte support as soon as you can, definitely as soon as you decide to go keto. And that will probably be a long-term thing because you'll notice that you feel quite a bit better when you're on them. Another thing it helps with is muscle cramping, which is super common on keto, headaches, thirstiness, bloating, water retention, fatigue. There are so many things that are associated with keto flu or just ketosis in general that are really just electrolyte imbalances. So always a good thing to take in my opinion. I highly recommend them. They are a requirement in the Fat Burning Female Project practically because it takes so much of that transition issue out of it and people feel so much better and they're great. So we have these minerals. They come in a package form. So make sure you're getting an electrolyte support that has all of these. You can either take them. I really recommend just taking them kind of consistently and not waiting to get symptoms. Just use it kind of as a prevention measure. But you can also just kind of have them around and use them as needed if you'd like to, but always definitely good to have around. I will link, of course, to the brand that I recommend, the one I think works really well. It's in both pill and liquid form, which is really nice, so whichever one you prefer. And it's just awesome. It's just a great one. There's nothing else added. That's the problem with some electrolyte supports that I have seen, actually a lot of electrolyte supports that I've seen that keto people are taking is that they still will contain like a sweetener or something that I just don't think is necessary. It becomes like a drink, which is fine, but you don't need that added, even sugar-free sweetener in your day. I don't think that's necessary when you can take it in so many other ways just as easily. Along with that, while we're on the topic of uh, electrolytes, of course, I say this all the time, every keto practitioner says this all the time, you also have to support your intake of salt. So you will be needing more salt than you are used to because of that releasing of water and it stays pretty constant while you're in ketosis. So you will need more salt. You can do that under the tongue. You can put it in your water, whatever you prefer. I like the taste of salt in my water. So I like to do that. Make sure it is of the highest quality that you can afford. So definitely not like Morton's iodized salt or whatever it might be. Make sure it's high quality sea salt, rock salt, uh, Celtic sea salt. That would be a gray type salt. There's a lot of different really great salts out there and they taste really good too. So keep that in mind. That's just not really necessarily a supplement, but yeah, it's a supplement. We're going to call it that for the purpose of this topic. Those are the two absolutes for keto specifically. So no matter 
who you are, no matter what you, else you have going on, those two will help you with your ketogenic diet. Now let's go into some other things that you may also want to add based on what you have going on. The first category we'll do is just kind of like general supports or general health supports that we probably heard out there would be great. So vitamin D. A lot of us are low on vitamin D and do need to supplement with it. We want vitamin D3. That is the one that our bodies can actually utilize and absorb. So vitamin D3. The only thing I will say is that you need to be tested. You need to have your vitamin D levels handy before you start taking vitamin D so you know how much to take, if you need to take it, how long, because you can also have too much vitamin D. You can absolutely take too much, you can be too high, and then you also won't feel well. And there are also ramifications for that. And anytime that is the case where we could take too much or do too much, I am always a fan of testing to know that so you don't put yourself at risk. So work with your practitioner, see if they can test your vitamin D. You probably can even ask for it from your doctor and maybe it's covered under insurance. If not, it shouldn't be too expensive of a test anyway. And it is just a blood test. So see how you're doing with that and then work with your practitioner to decide the dosing because you can go kind of a more therapeutic approach, which would be anywhere from like 10,000 to 20,000 IUs. If you're really, really low, you can do that for a short period of time and kind of gain some of your stores up and kind of get a handle on that low level and then even out and find a maintenance dose. Or you can start small and just kind of keep it at a maintenance dose closer to where you need to be. Symptoms of low vitamin D are often things that we just deal with and don't really think much of. Fatigue is the biggest one. Having immune system issues is a big one. Just not feeling motivated or happy, you know, having any sort of mood issue would be a sign too. But definitely if you are someone that's just looking for overall health, Supplementing with vitamin D is probably going to be great for you, again, just with the warning to please get it tested first before you just start guzzling some vitamin D. Another thing I think is great for general support, and I was on the fence about this for quite a while, but I have felt the benefits and now I highly, highly recommend it for most people, is fish oil. And it's kind of one of those things where some people love fish oil and some people hate fish oil and you're never going to honestly, you're never going to find the answer because there will always be, you know, something else to consider. But in my personal experience, what I have found that has helped, um, it has helped so much with my inflammation and my brain health. I take high doses of fish oil every single day and it has made a big difference. Also in my leptin levels, which we've talked about a few times in the past and leptin resistance was something that I was dealing with for a long time, now free of, thank goodness. And really the second I stopped taking high dose fish oil, my leptin levels creep back up because it is helping with my brain health to that level and keeping my inflammation down to really normalize my leptin. So if you're someone who has leptin resistance and you know it, if you're someone who thinks you might, which 
Like I mentioned in the past, it would be unexplained weight gain. Definitely consider fish oil. If you're someone that's looking for extra brain function, maybe you're not feeling as sharp as you used to or having memory issues or brain fog, fish oil is great for that. If you feel inflammation, if you feel inflamed, like joint pain or stiffness or retaining water, anything like that that are kind of signs of inflammation, fish oil would be great. Even, you know, skin irritation or inflammation, that would probably help quite a bit too. There's even uh, literature that shows that fish oil can aid in the prevention of cancer and ADHD and Alzheimer's. So even if you're not experiencing any of these right now, but you want to more so look at your long-term health, then fish oil would be great to consider for that too. I will link to the one again in the PDF that I like and I take. It has been just amazing for me. It has worked really well. And it also does contain a little bit of vitamin D. So going back to that first that conversation a few minutes ago uh, would also kind of take care of some of that too. It is a pretty small dose. So even if you're not someone that knows your level of vitamin D, you'd probably be safe taking the amount that is contained in this fish oil that I recommend. Now, the problem with fish oil mainly comes from the sourcing and trusting the company and the brand. And that's why there's a lot of wishy-washiness because you can get really poor quality fish oil very easily that will pretty much just be like you downing canola oil, which we know is very inflammatory, very rancid. Your body doesn't recognize it, and it does more damage to your body. You can do that with fish oil that has been just as much altered and processed and heated. If that company, that supplement company, is not taking great care for their fish oil, it's going to do more harm than good. So that's why you can go to your nearest health food store right now and probably look at 100 different kinds of fish oil. But I did a lot of research. I really made sure the company that I was going to was doing the right thing with their fish oil, where they were sourcing it, what kind of fish they were using, and found one that I feel comfortable with. And it shows because I almost immediately saw results. Whereas if it were something where I wasn't too sure about, I either wouldn't feel anything or I would feel worse. And I would know that. So Again, you're listening and looking out for your body. You're learning what those signs mean, which is so great that we're doing all this here on the podcast. I love it. And you're really getting in touch and looking for what you need, what you don't need, and what's working, what's not working. But anyway, I'll link to that company that I recommend in the PDF attachment to this episode. Okay, general health, moving on. I think a lot of women and the actual question that was submitted was what don't you recommend? And I don't really, it's hard to say overarching if there's something that you definitely should not be taking, but I do see that one thing a lot of women take that is probably not necessary is a multivitamin, which I know sounds crazy because, oh, we all need all these vitamins, but now we're in this really nutrient-dense ketogenic diet. And so we're getting tons of vitamins every single day in the food we eat, but also going very similarly to the fish oil discussion, so many of these multivitamins on store shelves are 
not good quality. You are not actually absorbing those vitamins and minerals into your body. You're just peeing them out essentially. So it's kind of a waste of money. And so I really want to get people away from just taking this random multivitamin and get on something that's really going to actually work really well. And it's not that I don't think you need extra vitamins, although I think that you're getting more from your diet than you think you are with eating these nutrient-dense keto diets that we do with all these veggies. But let's get on something that is going to do very similar things, but also be actually a good high quality source something that our body recognizes and gets a lot of benefit from. I really, when I tell people they need to take a multivitamin or if I see that that might be a need, then I tell them to take or eat beef liver or any other organ for that matter or really any other animal, but get some organ meats in your diet if you can. That will take care of that. They are honestly nature's multivitamin is what I think of them. They're truly amazing. You will get such a great response by adding in some of these organ meats. But if you're like me and you just can't do it because I've tried, I've made myself, forced the liver down and I can't do it. I absolutely hate the taste. So it will not be happening. You can also get it in supplement form, which is great. And there are companies out there that also make sure they're Liver is from a really good, high-quality source cattle, and they're grass-fed, and they're happy animals, and all that great stuff, which is important for all of our meat sourcing. So you can get that in a pill form, and you never know what it tastes like because all you do is swallow, and it's in your system. And I have seen great improvements by adding in beef liver capsules, mainly to my skin, hair, nails, energy, I'd say even too. But man, if you want to have awesome skin and really strong hair and nails, go for the beef liver. It is amazing. But it's also great for your immune system, your inflammatory response, all that stuff too. But it is what, as far as what you'll actually see, you will notice immediate improvements just by adding that in. Again, check out my PDF attachment to this episode for that info. There's a particular brand that I love, of course, and it'll be there. Next thing, this is general, even though you're going to think it's specific, it's not. A probiotic. It is obviously a gut health support, yes, but it's just incredible the differences people see in their health by taking a good quality probiotic. And now here's another case where there are so many options out there in any store at this point almost. And honestly, most of them are crap. They just are. They have all this amazing marketing that makes it look like, oh, this is going to be the best thing ever for my gut. And they're doing practically nothing. They're very low dose. They're not the right strains. And you're, again, just throwing your money away. And probiotics are expensive. They definitely are. But it is so worth the money. You will see such improvements in your digestion and how you feel just with your regularity, um, your breakdown of food. But you will also notice other things like your skin improving, uh, your mental clarity improving, your sleep improving, because really the bacteria in our gut is responsible for all those other things. There is a connection between 
our gut health and brain health, our gut health and skin health, our gut health and endocrine system, which is our hormonal system. So, you know, there is no reason for people not to take a probiotic and gain those benefits. And one thing I can tell you for sure, because I see it in my practice on a daily basis, there is not one person, not me, not you, not your doctor, no one who has enough gut bacteria to give them the health benefits that they need and want and deserve. There's just not. We don't live in that type of society anymore. You know, we're in this society now where everything's antibacterial, cleaned, and our soil is really depleted of all the bacteria in it. And we just have completely depleted our supply of bacteria that we we could be gaining naturally. So therefore, we have to get them from a supplemental source. And there are great ones out there. I will be linking to those in the PDF. But definitely, if you are not currently taking a probiotic, please do. You will feel so good. Okay, I think the only other general support I'm going to go over is magnesium, which is actually an electrolyte. So we've already talked about that. But often women in particular are so deficient in magnesium that the electrolyte support isn't going to be enough. Um, So a lot of women will feel better with some additional magnesium in their lives. Now, the thing with magnesium is that every person responds differently to different forms of magnesium. So there is a little bit of trial and error when it comes to magnesium. I actually prefer taking a magnesium blend. You can get a magnesium that has different forms um, in the same capsule and therefore you're not getting an overdose of any of the three. So most people tolerate that really well. Whereas if they were taking just the same dose of just one of those, they would not tolerate that well. And really when you don't tolerate it, it's mainly just, um, it loosens your stool too much and may cause diarrhea or even explosive diarrhea, which is not fun, right? I think we can all agree with that. Pretty sure nobody wants that. So you kind of have to experiment a little bit, which I know now sounds really scary because you don't even want to go there, but you'll know. You'll feel a little grumbly in the tummy if it's not the right one or if the dose wasn't right or if you just need to try a different brand. If you don't sleep well, it's often partially at least due to a need for magnesium. So a lot of women take magnesium as a sleep aid which is great. Take it like an hour before bed. You'll be ready to sleep. Trust me, because magnesium is very calming. It's that electrolyte that relaxes our muscles. So we contract our muscles and we relax. That's why it's also great for people with cramps, because when you're cramping, it's because your muscle can't release. And magnesium does that for our muscles, which is great. So you'll be super relaxed when it's time for bed. This is also why it works really well for people with constipation. And what's so funny is that most people in my practice that have digestive issues that involve constipation, they think that magnesium is actually a digestive support. And it's not. It has nothing to do with the digestion except it allows your colon to relax and therefore you can go to the bathroom. So it 
provides that re- relaxation mechanism to where you can um, release your bowels. It is really great for that, although not something that should be solely used for constipation. Remember, if you are constipated, you have something else going on in your GI tract that needs to be figured out. So don't just use that magnesium as a crutch. Please figure it out. Okay, let's move on to some hormone-specific supplements that I love, especially because we're talking to the women out there. And you know I love talking about hormones and adrenals and all that stuff. To start off, if you are someone who thinks you may be having adrenal issues, hormonal imbalance, thyroid issues, anything like that, please get yourself tested via saliva or urine test. Please, please, please. That's the first step because I really hesitate to even give out these options because, again, I don't want you to just keep pushing the new supplement at it, looking for change when you have no idea what your issue actually is. I really think these supplemental options are for people who know what they have going on and need help with what they have going on. So if you don't know, first you need to know, right? But then once you know, there are some supports that are really great. And any sort of protocol in order for you to work on your hormones is going to have some supplemental support. It just is. Now, it's not everything. There's so much that we need to do lifestyle-wise and diet-wise and all stuff we talk about here on Keto for Women, but you can absolutely use supplemental herbal support to help, and you should. For the adrenals, I really honestly just like using adaptogenic herbs to help the adrenal glands. They're great because they will basically figure out what your body needs and give it what it needs. So if you are someone that has low cortisol or even just at some point in the day has low cortisol, then it will help your adrenals boost up that cortisol production. If you are someone that has high cortisol at any point throughout the day or all day, these herbs will help lower your cortisol production, help those adrenal glands chill out on that cortisol production a little bit. So both really nice and really safe. And obviously taking those would just help modulate your cortisol response in general. But also at the same time, these supports are really awesome at nourishing your adrenals. So they will provide these vitamins and herbs and just all these great things that nourish those glands, let them know everything's okay, get them back to functioning regularly and optimally over the course of some time. So that's also what is really great about these herbal supports and the adaptogens that I was mentioning. Now, again, the cool thing is that you can get blends of some of the best supports for your adrenals specifically in a blend. So you get the benefits of multiple adaptogens in one little pill, which is great. And that's what I tend to recommend instead of specific herbs because I like getting the benefits of more than one. They all do slightly different things. So I think having a blend is really nice. Again, I'll link my favorite blend up in this PDF attachment. I generally don't tend to recommend anything that's too stimulating or harsh or anything like that. And that's another reason why the blends that I recommend are extremely safe. You're not going to feel like all of a sudden you're on 10 cups of coffee 
you'll just notice a slight boost in your energy or maybe a slight calming sensation. And that's exactly what we want. And they're great to take long term. There's not anything that's going to be harmful in the long run. They're just really awesome, safe blends. If you are someone that knows that you are dealing with low progesterone and or estrogen dominance, then taking a supplement called Vitex or Chaste Tree is going to be, again, really awesome. It will It's another type of adaptogenic herb specifically for progesterone that will help you boost your progesterone by taking that over the long term. Now, the cool thing, I think it's cool, but also something to remember is that you are going to be taking this support at a higher dose in your luteal phase of your cycle if you are someone that is cycling. So you will take a higher dose, probably double the dose from days 15 to the end of your cycle or when you start menstruation. Then you go back down through day 14 and then hop back up at 15. So there is a little bit of timing just because we need more progesterone. Progesterone is really dominant in our luteal phase. It has its peak there, whereas in the follicular phase at the beginning of our cycle, it's just kind of hanging out. It's definitely there, but doesn't come into real play until the latter half of our cycle. So you will be doubling that. If you are someone that doesn't have a cycle, either you have amenorrhea and are working on your hormones or you are menopausal or postmenopausal, then you can just take the same dose the whole time. If you are someone that's waiting for a cycle, as in amenorrhea, like you are still within cycling age and hoping to get a period at some point, you will take a pretty high dose because we really need that progesterone to boost up. But again, something that is extremely safe for women to take, although of course I would recommend that you test to make sure that that's what you're dealing with before you just start supplementing, but it is very safe and very effective. I highly recommend it. It has two names, even though it's the same thing, Chase Tree or Vitex. It's the same thing, different names. I will link to my favorite in the PDF. The only other hormone-specific one that I will talk about that I think can be somewhat generalized here on the podcast, really any other situation, I would need to speak with someone one-on-one and see their test results to offer more advice. But there is one other situation where I think we can be a little bit more general and this could really help some people, and that is the case of PCOS or what really is high androgens. So if you have high DHEA and high testosterone, that would be characterized as PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. And there are some great herbal supports that help with your PCOS symptoms and just getting those high androgen levels down. And we don't necessarily have to turn to metformin, which is what is commonly prescribed at the doctor's office if you're someone with PCOS, we don't have to turn to that. And if we're on it, we can get off it. So that would be really awesome to do. Now, again, if you are on a prescription medication, please talk to your doctor if you do want to get off and try a herbal support before you just do it on your own. But here are some things that I recommend for people with PCOS. Uh, You can use inositol, It's a polymer that really just works to improve your insulin function and the communication that your insulin and cells have. And that's why we have high testosterone 
quite commonly is because we also have high insulin. They are very much connected. And that's the case with people with PCOS is the reason why they have PCOS is because they have blood sugar issues. And the reason why they're put on metformin is because it is a blood sugar handling prescription medication. It is not anything specific to PCOS. It's actually for people like we heard last week from Hannah for type 2 diabetes. So it actually helps you handle your insulin and your glucose better, whereas inositol will do a similar thing, but not as a prescription medication. So that's really cool. I like that. I'll link my favorite brand. And then Saw Palmetto is an herbal support that has been shown in women to reduce their androgenic activity. So the combination of those two is a really great support for people with PCOS. Again, you would need to be tested and know those numbers before you would know to start those supplements, but they are a great option for people with PCOS. Okay, moving on. This is really still hormonal, but a lot of us don't think or recognize that. Uh, If you need sleep support, if you need help with your sleep. The first thing I recommend is working on your adrenals, of course, and your blood sugar. So keto in itself, for the most part, makes pretty much everyone sleep better, for sure. Um, especially if you're eating enough food keto. So we have to have a decent amount of food plus keto and we're good to go sleep wise. But if you do need support with your sleep, there are a couple things I recommend. First of all, phosphatidylserine. Phosphatidylserine really helps with calming your brain. It actually works as a nice calming agent for those neurotransmitters in your brain so you can relax and sleep. I recommend that before bed. Quite often, I also, there are so many blends, again, of nice sleep-supporting herbs like valerian root and lemon balm and passion flower, just some really great things that work to just calm us, to just calm us down and get us ready into that sleep state where we're a little more relaxed and ready to fall asleep. I do not recommend melatonin about 99% of the time because melatonin is a hormone. So what happens when we supplement with any hormone is our body stops producing it on its own because now we are supplementing with that. And over time, it can get to the point where your body just isn't going to do that anymore. It's kind of gone to sleep on that whole situation, pun intended. And then you find out you can't get off melatonin or when you do, you don't sleep as well. So you almost become stuck in this place where you always need melatonin to fall asleep and nobody wants that and you're not getting as good of sleep. So I tend to shy away from that and instead just go for these herbal blends that will calm you down and get you ready for sleep. Again, I'll link to all of these so you know which ones I love but they do work really well. Just take them about an hour before bed and you'll be ready to go. As long as you're doing all the other things that you need to do in order to get ready for bed, like taking time to shut down, away from blue light, unplugging, maybe doing some reading or something, taking a bath, getting to this place where you are ready to go and not still staring at your phone or computer or whatever right before you try to fall asleep. 
Okay, I think that's going to do it for now. Those are kind of the general ones that I can think of offhand. I'm sure there are more that are awesome, but maybe we can do an episode number two on this in the future. If you do have specific supplements that you're curious about, maybe we could go that route where you all send me what you want to take or are taking or don't know if you should take and list them off. And then I can kind of go through them one by one if I think there's women out there that are also curious about the same uh, supplement. So those are my general good ones. These are all the ones I take. I think I take pretty much Well, besides the PCOS things, I think I take pretty much every one that I said. So um, I basically could have just looked into my supplement cabinet to get the answer to this question. But these are definitely the top ones. They're very safe. They're very good for long term. And by long term, I mean three, six, nine, 12 months. I don't mean, I mean, it could be longer than that, but I guess I just don't mean a month is long term. More than likely, because they're all herbal supports, you're going to need more than that before you start seeing any measurable improvement besides just feeling a little bit better. So keep that in mind, but they're safe to do that. And don't forget to get the PDF so that you can see which ones I recommend and the brands. And I'll even give you a little discount code so you can buy some of these ones I recommend at a discount. You so exciting. Lucky, lucky ducks. Uh, And just like that, I thought I was going to get through five questions and I only got through one. So who knew? I had no idea I needed to share so much about supplements. But like I said, there are so many people and I used to be one of them that had no idea what supplements to take or what to actually, what they were actually doing. Um, So I'm glad that we had this conversation. It's something I've learned a lot about over the years through the education I have gained. And now I can share it with you. And again, I know I mentioned this a few times in passing, but one thing I really want to reiterate as strongly as I possibly can without shouting into your ear, which is the quality of these supplements, no matter what supplements you decide to take, is of the utmost importance. Going to the local store and just grabbing the cheapest brand quite often is not going to yield you the results you are looking for. It really is the case where quite often spending a little bit more money, and I'm not talking a ton, but a little bit more money and going with a company that does really intense research and testing on their supplements before they release them to the public is so important. And those are the only brands that I recommend. They are actually brands that you can only get through practitioners. So it's great that you guys are listening to this because you'll be able to gain access to that through me. You can't get them on the store shelves because there is these brands refuse to be on store shelves along with these companies that aren't doing any testing or researching or anything before they just come up with this quick product and put it on the store shelves. And Companies that actually pride themselves on their supports and what they can do refuse to kind of be in that category. So there's very different categories within uh, supplement companies, and I've done a lot of research. I know the best ones, and those are the ones that I recommend because you'll actually see some improvements. It's amazing. So just keep that in mind next time you're out shopping for supplements and not sure which brand to choose. Find one, do your research, look up the brand, look at what they do, call them even, and see their practices for how they determine what they're going to put on the market and the testing they do. 
or just go with someone that you trust, uh, your practitioner, and go by their recommendation as well because we've done the research. Okay, that's my soapbox for the day. Hope you guys enjoyed this. I'm glad I got to share my knowledge with you all. And I'll be back next week. Hey, lady. Do you want to make sure that you are doing the ketogenic diet the right way for you? Do you want to make sure you're getting all of those amazing benefits that come with producing ketones and not putting any extra stress on your body? Then head to my website and check out the Fat Burning Female Project. We have a new class starting soon, and I'd love to have you be a part of it. Head to bit.ly slash fatburningfemale. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash fatburningfemale. And make sure to sign up to get a notification of when the next class will be. Can't wait to see you there.